Good morning. Uh, I'm Raul Perez. Um, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to be preaching this morning uh, as we continue in the book of 1 John. And uh, I've heard some really great feedback from you all that the, the Lord is doing uh, a work in you through this, this encouraging epistle, this letter to love God and love others, a message we've heard our whole Christian life, love God, love others. But it seems that the Lord is planting new seeds, that the Lord is watering seeds in you, that the Lord is giving growth in you. And so I want to encourage each of us this morning as we come to this third chapter of 1 John to come with humility. Humility, the, the Latin root of humility is humus, which is rich soil. So as you come with humility this morning to this word, I pray that the Lord would put a fresh seed in you, would water it this morning, would give you growth that you've maybe been longing for for a long time, because the Lord is able, right? The Lord is able even in this moment, because this is a holy space, and us with one heart after what the Lord wants from us, and to know the Lord and to know his will, that's where we're going to see growth. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's jump into this. The, the, the title of this sermon is The Power of prayer for relationships. So let's hear this word from 1 John 3, 21 through 24. Hear the word of the Lord. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence in relationship to God. We receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love each other as he commanded us. The person who keeps his commandments remains in God, and God remains in him. And this is how we know that he remains in us, because of the spirit that he has given us. Father God, I pray for this word that is going out this morning. I pray that it is your word. I pray that, Lord God, that you are in the words as you were in the words of creation, that you are creating new hearts, that you are creating new spirits, that you are doing the bridging work between us and the relationships we so want and hope for in our lives. Lord God, it is through prayer that you can bring us what we desire and what you desire for us. So Lord God, be about your business this morning, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the other day, I was walking to PCC down by Green Lake with Tyler Hansen, and he and I were just going to get some food, right? Just, just getting a snack. And on our way there, we, we, at the entrance of PCC, there's a man, and he's, he's flying a sign, and he wants some food, right? And so we go over to him, and I say, hello, uh, uh, I see that you're asking for food. Can I get you something in PCC? And he tells me a specific order. He's not just like, he, he, want, he wants, uh, uh, how, do you, how do you say it? I want a, a hefty pasta with a Coke, please. And I'm like, cool, we can do that. So we go inside, we go and get the food, and we bring it back. And I say, what's your name? And he says, my name is Bright, like the light, because I'm a genius. He said it just like that. And, uh, and I was like, cool. And he, and he looked at me back, and he said, 
how come you got me the exact order that I requested? And I was like, well, Jesus taught me to see people and to value who they are and to value what they want. So I wanted to get you exactly what you asked for. And he said, shut up with that Jesus stuff. Right, right back at me. And it was right after, like from there, he, he, he started to express why Jesus is lots of bad things, right? <laughs> lots of bad things, twisting the, the, the gospel of Jesus, twisting his death and his, his coming, his, his being the, the son of God, all these things. And I couldn't get a word in edgewise. He kept shutting me down. And so I just kind of listened. And, but he, in the midst of all his rants and frustrations, he kept saying, why did you get me what I ordered? Like he was still miffed about that. And so at the end of kind of, the moment, I, you know, Tyler and I just said, you know, God bless you, man. We hope we see you again, right? And we started to walk away. And then he calls after us, my real name's Bryce. And we were like, oh. so we turned around, went back, shook his hand, and said, good to meet you, Bryce. Hope to see you again. Left. The interesting part about that whole situation, I mean, I've never had somebody sh- shut up with that. Jesus. Like, that that's interesting. But the, the, the part that's, like, that's profound to me is he wanted to be known. He didn't want to be known by his nickname, Bright. I'm a genius. He wanted to be known by his given name, Bryce. He wanted to be known, to be part of a body, to, to be loved and seen. And the unfortunate reality of his situation is that he had cut himself off from life itself, from Jesus Christ and others in his life. You know, for this message, I wanted to give just like a clear point, and I'm just going to say it, and then we're going to kind of, kind of work at it in this text, and it's this. Here's the kind of main point. Prayer is the means to the true and loving relationships you desire with Jesus and with others. It's pretty to the point. But many here may say, but pastor, I have prayed. I have prayed for that relationship and nothing happened. I prayed for hope and I, and I lost it. I prayed for healing and wasn't given it. I prayed for reconciliation and it never came. The Lord's word here to us is that we can ask for whatever we want and we will receive it. It's a bold promise. It's a bold thing to believe in. But some of our experience might run up against that. I prayed for that and it didn't happen. So what now? So now let's explore the scripture. Let's explore what the Lord is saying here through John for us so that we can be in a posture before the Lord where we can more readily tune into what he's saying and he will more, more readily tune into what we're, we're asking for. And maybe you're here saying, I don't know how to pray. I don't even know where to begin. This word, again, is instructive for us to begin at the beginning, to begin in the relationship with our Father and take steps towards uh, cultivating, there's that soil, soil language again, cultivating a way to converse with our Father. 
and to have this opportunity to hear and be heard, to be known, just like Bryce wanted to be. So let's, let's step into it. The first thing that John is saying to us is that prayers must be made to the Father. So let's read verse 21 again. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence in relationship to God, to the Father. For many of us, we might be asking, doesn't doesn't all prayer go to God? No. (laughs) Not all prayer goes to God. There's a lot of private and public prayer that is just out there in the ethereal places. It's not directed to anything or anyone. We say it because we're desperate, but we're not thinking about our Heavenly Father. Because he's talking about here that there is a relationship. And relationships are here between, between people. So the first thing that John is trying to tell us is that God is a person, not some ethereal force out there as some may teach and some may, may encourage us to believe. It is not, God is not a force. God is not an energy. God is a person. Yes, Ramona, I hear that amen. God is a person who we must relate to. And our scripture tells us that God is not just any person, but God is our heavenly father, our loving father, our good father. And so we must visualize our father as we are praying to our father. And that might be hard to do for some. I'll tell you for myself, I have a meeting place. I have a meeting place that I go with the Father, and it's, it, it's at this camp, this retreat center, and I went, and I went for a walk, and I laid in this random patch of dirt with trees above me, and I inadvertently fell asleep. And so when I woke up, it had started raining, but the canopy above me kept me from getting wet. And now I envision that those are the Father's hands. The Father is protecting me from all things, and he will stretch out time for me, and he will be with me. He's, he's meeting with me there. And perhaps I used to envision the father sitting on a bed, because that's what my father would do when he would talk with me. We'd sit on the bed and, and talk. Maybe you feel like, well, God's invisible. How can, I, how can I envision the father? Well, you, his son is the image of the invisible God. So you, you envision Christ in a meeting place, and you're envisioning the father. And that can be almost anywhere. I used to meet with Jesus in a tent. I used to go camping a lot when I was a kid. And so we used to lay in the tent and talk. I can hear the crackling fire outside. We must visualize our Father as we are preparing to pray to him so our prayers are being directed to our Heavenly Father. And it's important to kind of identify that we are his children, right? So we're not just, it's not just any father out there. He's our father, which means that we're his children. And he wants to know what we think. He wants to know the true uh, desires of our hearts. James 4.2 tells us that you have not because you ask not. 
Our Father is prepared to give us all things, but we are not always prepared to ask for those things, those good things that we all desire and want. We might disqualify ourselves because we are ashamed. We might disqualify ourselves because we may feel we cannot be in the presence of our Father, that he's angry with us. He's an angry Father, or he's not even a Father. He's just an angry God. We disqualify ourselves, and so we don't even ask for the things that we and ourselves know that we want and would help us and heal us and bring us some sense of peace, but we neglect or are unwilling or unable to ask for that good thing from our Heavenly Father as his children. Uh, I think it's important to say that that's why it's, it's significant to begin our times of, with the Father in just praising him, adoration, loving him, telling him his names, telling him who he is, and acknowledging that he is wonderful and powerful and good. Before we even get to all the requests, just being in his presence because he loves us and we want to learn how to love him. So then we can ask for the things that we want. Over Christmas, I was with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. We drove down to Portland. And I asked my sister-in-law if I could share this story. And she told us, uh, they had some foster girls staying with them. And she told us that the girls were having very vivid, intense, violent nightmares. Just remembering the things that they'd been through. And uh, during the course of our time there, uh, my sister-in-law told me, you know, the, uh, their therapist gave them some Wiccan items because of her own belief or whatever. It was sort of a boundary, but she had given them some uh, tokens in a sense, and uh, they were pretty explicitly Wiccan. And she said, my sister-in-law said, what should we do with them? (laughs) I said, we should throw them away. We should throw them away, and we should clean and clear your house in prayer. And so uh, in obedience, she was just like, okay, we went and got them. We prayed over the room they were in. We took them to the trash, and then we, uh, we anointed some olive oil, and we prayed over the whole house, all the entrances, uh, all the various rooms, and then we got to the girls' room. And the girls' room, you could feel, just kind of had some presences there. And so we were praying away presences from under the bed and under the bunk bed and on the ceiling and under the dresser. And so we, we, we entrusted the home to the Lord, this inheritance, this place, this space, the girls, all, this thing, all these things. And since then, she has reported that there has been no nightmares from the girls. And I believe that God honored that prayer, honored that cleansing because of, of her immediate obedience to return, to, 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 to make the Lord only her Lord and the Lord of these girls right? On their behalf, these little ones, directing them in the right way, casting away these things that would be otherwise bring worship to other things, casting that stuff away. And God was immediately responsive on behalf of these girls. So I think that's kind of the second point that that John is bringing us to here is that the more we tune into God's word, the more God will tune into our prayers. Let's Let's go to the scripture verse here. We receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. 
This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love each other as he commanded us. All relationships require listening and responding. Listening and responding. And it is no different with the Lord. He, is, he has spoken to us, and we neglect his word. But there is life in these words. He has revealed himself through Jesus Christ, through the prophets, through all these means he's speaking to us. And yet, we don't respond. This is life itself that he is trying to give us, and sometimes it can feel hard and and a challenge, or it may require faith to get there. But he has revealed himself and his will and good things for our lives, and our part is to listen and respond. And so much of what he has revealed is about commandments about how we should relate to one another, to your neighbor, to your enemy. And he says, as you begin to fulfill my command and love those in your life, your neighbor, your your enemy, those who are far off, those who have hurt you, those who have neglected you, as you fulfill my command, then I I will receive you. And I know for each of us here, thinking about that work is overwhelming. Where do we start? If we are about to uh, love and care for those that are both easy to love and hard to love in our lives, where do we even begin? Begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm that is all about who we are how God created us, how he, know, he, he knit us together in our mother's wombs. He knows everything about us. And so at the end of the psalm, the psalmist prays this. Examine me, God. Look at my heart. Put me to the test. Know my anxious thoughts. Look to see if there's any idolatrous way in me. Then lead me on the eternal path. Look to see if there's any evil way in me. Look to, and see if there's any sinful way in me. The Lord is desiring to clear and remove any obstacles between you and others as a means of removing obstacles between you and the Lord. I want to read to you this beautiful definition of sin. That's, you don't often put those two words together. Beautiful sin. But I want you to just hear this maybe with uh, new ears, because I thought when I read this, it was, uh, it kind of puts sin in a new light. Sin, defined by the biblical imagination, is not an accusation or a condemnation, it's just a diagnosis. It's a trip to the doctor's office where you describe your symptoms and discover that there's a name for this disease. It's this sin which inhibits us from doing what we were made to do best, love, to receive love and to give it. Why does sin interfere with love? Because as Eugene Peterson defines it, 
Sin is a refused relationship with God that spills over into a wrong relationship with others. Oh, God bless you, Eugene. Let's read that again. Sin is a refused relationship with God that spills over into a wrong relationship with others. See, it all begins with the Lord. All sin is against God. All sin that is committed against others or yourself is against God. It is always personal. So that's why in this, uh, this desire to fulfill the Lord's commands and the Lord's will to like love others, man, you got to deal with God, right? And he's not saying, I want it, you know, that you have to be at a certain place to come into his presence, right? We begin at the beginning. He's our father and we're his children. He's never going to cast us away. He just wants the opportunity to tell you what's going on. He wants you to be able to ask, search me, Lord. Is there any sinful way in me? Because I don't want that to become the barrier between a relationship with you and me. I want to be in your, in your place. I want to be with you. I want to, I want to be loved and guided by you, but I need you to just tell me where to begin? Because there's so much brokenness in my life. There's so much sin and things going on. I need you to tell me where to begin. And you know what? That prayer is always answered if we're willing to listen, right? If we want to restore relationships in our life with God and with others, we must pray, listen, and then respond. See, loving others plus like prayer to the Father, this allows us to be at a place where we can ask for whatever we want because the Lord can see our hearts. He can see that we want that healing. We want that reconciliation, that we're willing to change our hearts and lives for it. And he wants to give you what you want. But he wants you to be right with him and with others. So there's, th- there's two things that are kind of happening parallel hill that, that, that John's talking about. He's saying, on, on one hand, we, we need to love others like God commands us and that we know pleases him. It pleased him that I would listen to Bryce and specifically get him what he asked for because he's a person and he has desires, right? He wants to give Bryce that heavy pasta, right? He wants him to have that. And so, but you might not always feel like loving the people in your life. (laughs) So the commandment that he's giving here is like, is not love if you feel it. He's just saying love. Do the work. It's kind of like, you know, love in a marriage changes, right? Like that passionate kind of love that you started out with, that sort of like takes a dwindle, right? Like it just happens. But there are all kinds of facets of love. And sometimes to learn that new kind of love you need to do loving acts. You need to just do them because it is what's good and right. So that's what John's kind of talking about here. Love as an action, not in words, but in deeds. And kind of fake it till you make it, kind of. If you're not feeling it, love your brother and sister anyways. So that's one thing. And then in parallel, what he's saying is, what we're saying to God as we're praying to him is, search me, Lord. Search me and tell me about the sin in my life so that I can respond to it. I can let you respond to it. 
These things are, you're building the plane while you fly it. And what's beautiful is that when the Holy Spirit comes to tell you about that sin, that sin, you're being convicted of that sin. You're not being condemned. These are two different realities. And I think so many of us give ourselves away to condemnation. So it's only the father of lies who will condemn you. Condemnation is always associated with shame. Shame is about who we are. You are wrong. People hate you. You're ugly. You're, you're an angry person. This is a shameful way to tell you about a half-truth. Some of that stuff is true. But who you are is God's. You are God's child, and he loves you. He will not condemn you. He will not shame you. He will convict you, and he will tell you a truth, the full truth, and give you a means towards life. So if you hear that voice of condemnation, I want to tell you that you have the authority and the power of the Spirit to say, stop. That is not true. I am a child of God. Lord, what do you want to tell me? And this is the tipping point in prayer. Because up to this point, we might feel this is all up to us. That we have to do the right operations. We have to do the visualization. We got to do the loving just right. All of that matters because it is what the Lord is commanding us. But here is the tipping point. This is where he sends the Holy Spirit, God himself, into you to empower you, to heal you. To make your prayers effective, the Holy Spirit, the companion, will come into you and shape you, will come upon you for power and enable you to do which, that which is heavenly and holy, but not because of you, but because God sent his Spirit upon you. There is much I want to say about the Spirit. This is not the sermon for it, because over the next coming weeks, that's all John's talking about. John is talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so as we hear more and have more time, you'll hear more about the work of the Spirit. But the, the one thing I want to focus on is the unifying work of the Spirit. So let's look at verse 24 and see why this is even where we're going. The person who keeps his commandments remains in God and God remains in him. And this is how we know that he remains in us. Because of the spirit that he has given us. God is present in you. If you confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, he sent you the Holy Spirit to fill you, to do a renewing work in you at that time of faith. And he is faithful to this very day to have the spirit be present with you. Now, the spirit is like a present, like a gift. And sometimes we don't always open that gift. Sometimes we don't let that gift open us. And so that's why there's, there's various aspects of what the, Lord, the Spirit of God does in different people as their willingness and readiness to the ministry of the Spirit. So this is what I want to say, is that the, the, the Spirit of God is about unifying the body of the church. Because the unified body has a powerful prayer. And this is, this is how John is getting at it. It's hard to understand in the English, but if we go back to verse 21 and read that, it says, Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence in relationship with God. A better way, a better articulation of that 
what John is trying to say is he's trying to get at that there is a singularity that is focused on a plurality of things. He's, a better way to say it is, is, dear friends, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence in relationship to God. Our heart singularity, he is talking about one body, one heart. And this whole letter is addressed to the church. He's talking about you. He's talking about you and the, y'all, y'all, the collective. He's saying, if you have one heart, you can approach my father and ask him for whatever you want. And so we have to jump into a few verses to really get at this point. Let's look at John 14. Flipping through my actual Bible here. So he says this. This is Jesus continuing to talk to us. Whoever loves me will keep my word. My Father will love them, and we will come to them, we, Father, Jesus, and make our home with them. And when the Father and the Son come, he continues and says, the companion, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I told you. The, the, the triune God's coming to live in you, to unify himself, God's self in you, and remind you of what Jesus taught. So may he remind us of this in Matthew, Matthew 18. I'll just read it. I can't, I can't flip for it. It says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. We've heard this many times. But what this is not referring to is to just Christians by name only getting together. And there's Jesus. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is those who are disciples, those who are willing to give their hearts in prayer to the Lord, if they're there seeking his will, seeking his heart, wanting to know what he commands and to do them, that's where Jesus is. And that's why Jesus is here this morning, because that's why you're here. You want to have a singularity of heart with the Lord. I know you do. I know you're seeking that. And so what does he say? He says this in Matthew 5. This is Jesus again. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Another way to say that is blessed are the single-hearted, for they will see God. This is Jesus' promise at the top of his most famous sermon. He's saying, those who are my children, who will give their hearts together to me, to seek me, they, they will find me. They will know me. They will see me in their hearts, and they will, I will be present in their relationships. I will be there where they are. The ministry of the Spirit is about unity so that we can be unified as a witness to the world that God is real and God is faithful and God healed my relationships and God brought me peace. Would you like to know that too? Come and see. Come and eat. Come and be well. This is the reason that Pastor John who was the pastor before Pastor Richard, so we're talking 30, 40, 50 years ago, he used to say this on repeat. He used to say, we need to tangle our lives and heartstrings together. It's a beautiful phrase. 
And it's, it's beautifully magnifying our scripture this morning where it's saying we need to have one heart as we come to the Lord in prayer. And in these days, I know it's difficult to do because we're all expected to be hyper-individuals and not actually interrelated or intermingled. But the Lord is giving us direction and how we can be a church that has singularity of heart in prayer for healed relationships. Because we all got broken relationships we want mended. And we've all gone through a significant amount of loss. And I would say, if you are, this is a little plug, but if you are experiencing loss, loss of a relationship, loss of a job, loss of a dream, we have a group that's starting tomorrow that is all focused on recovering after a loss. So if you signed up for that group, you're interested in that group, come to the front here. Mike Labram, Julie Pustai are just going to give a quick info session about that because they're, together we need to be about not just withering because of those losses, but allowing the Lord to do a ministry with us. And he can. He's able. He knows what it means to suffer. So if that's of interest, come. Everything that I've been talking about this morning requires radical vulnerability. Radical vulnerability in prayer. Uh, I was given a piece of art recently that communicates this. I know it'll be a little bit difficult to look at, but don't turn away. Okay, so let's put this up. This is from René Magritte. It's a painting called The Lovers. It's from 1928. You might be like, why, why does this make sense? <laughs> why does this go here? To me, this is how many of us go through the Christian life. All of, the, all of the actions and the motions of intimacy with none of the satisfaction. We're so desiring to be connected and related to the Lord, related to one another, but we have these veils, and they're between us, and we can't access one another. We can't be vulnerable and intimate with one another, with the Lord. And unfortunately, this is a, a, a big reality for us, that if, unless we name it and strive to overcome it, this is going to be our life together. And unfortunately, we inherited this reality from our original mother and father. You see, the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree that they were forbidden to eat from. They'd been given the whole, all of Eden, and they go to this tree, and they eat of it, and then they are immediately, their eyes are opened, and they are ashamed. And they hide behind that tree when they hear the Lord walking and eating, calling out for them. Where are you? And they were hiding that is what we take on. That is what has been our inheritance in the flesh. That we would chase the, the, the lust of the eyes and the lust of our hearts and the, the hunger in our stomachs. 
and we'd make those kings. But Jesus, Jesus, the new Adam, the new Adam, he didn't eat the forbidden fruit. He became the bread and the wine for the world so they may be fed and know life and life eternal. They may be filled and never hunger, filled and never thirst again. And he didn't hide behind any tree. He hung from the tree. He hung from the tree unashamed. He was unveiled. He was naked before his the people who put him there, he took all of, our, all of our shame, all of our sin, all of that which is between us and God, and he hung it from a tree for the world to see. And he said, eat, this is my body. Drink, this is my blood. I am pure for you. He died from the cross to become our great lover He doesn't love us like this. He loves us fully unveiled. And he's waiting for us to come to him like that. Come and see, know me, experience me. There is nothing between us. When I died, the the veil was torn in the temple so that the Holy of Holies could be just walked into. (laughs) There's no more access that God can give us. The ball is in our court. And he's calling for us. He's calling for us so that we may die for each other and not just die, but that we may be living sacrifices for one another through radical vulnerability to communicate the gospel that he is able. If we would just lay down our things, we would just let go of our our shame, our, our anger, our pride, all these, if we would just lay these things down, Jesus Christ is faithful to carry you through and to give you that new identity that you're desiring and looking for. So here's the power of what Jesus is doing. Jesus, we want to be unveiled God, we want, to, we want to have healed relationships. We want to be able to reach out to those that we've been estranged from. We want to be able to forgive those who hurt us. We want to be able to have everyday reconciliation with our kids to overcome misunderstandings and not let molehills become mountains, Lord. We want you to unveil us, Lord. And Father God, you say that any of us, as we return to you in prayer, you say this in 2 Corinthians, but whenever someone turns back to the Lord, the veil is removed. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Lord's Spirit is, there is freedom. Whenever someone turns back to the Lord, the veil is removed. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Lord's Spirit is, Come on, come on. There is freedom. Yes, there is. Because the truth is, 
We're all like Bryce. We're all like Bryce and we're hungry. And the Lord almost wants us to be like that. He's not ashamed that Bryce is begging. He's just wishing that Bryce would beg him. The Lord wants you to beg him. The Lord wants you to plead. The Lord wants the prayer of desperation, the unashamed prayer that won't be turned away, the obnoxious neighbor that when they have a guest would come over to his neighbor and knock in the middle of the night and wake him up and say, I need bread. That neighbor won't answer because they're friends. He'll answer because of the persistence. He wants us to be unashamed before him to be persistent, to bring all of us to him. He wants us to believe that through prayer, he can do anything for you. He can mend that relationship that's on your heart right now. He can let you forgive that person. He can do it. So as the band comes back up, I want to encourage a response. I think that this response is kind of one of uh, maturity, and it might be a challenge or a stretch for some, so you, you, you opt into where you're able to. But two weeks ago, I believe Pastor Scott, I was not here that Sunday, but I believe Pastor Scott led you all in a time of confession, and he gave you all little silver hearts. Is that right? I think what's so powerful about that, and something I want to say as your pastor, because you, you might kind of forget, is that you brought those confessions forward. I mean, Pastor Scott showed me the bag. It was packed. It was full, full of confession up here at the front. I want to tell you that that pleased God. That confession, those confessions, bringing those forward, bringing them out of the darkness into light, pouring out these things in you so that grace could be poured in. I want to tell you that the Lord did do that. The Lord has given you grace. The Lord has given you mercy. He's given you forgiveness. The Lord did work in your life two weeks ago, and that is still real. And so I want to build upon that. I want to build upon that today. What I want to encourage you to consider is thinking about a relationship you want the Lord to help or heal. Get that person's face in your mind, a relationship you want the Lord to help or heal. That might be forgiveness, that might be shame, that might be harm, there's a variety of things. Just think of that person. And what I want to invite you to is to write that person's name down. That's why it's a step. It's a mature step. I don't want you to call them mom or friend. I want you to write their name down. And if you're so willing to write down what you want the Lord to do, because if we don't ask, then we don't have. He wants us to ask. He wants us to name. He wants us to be specific because he wants you to know that he's going to do it. So I'd encourage you, write the name. If you're so willing, write what you want the Lord to do. And then this is what I want you to commit to, resolve to, to telling somebody. 
Maybe that person's not here today. Or maybe they're across the room and you want to tell them later. Or maybe it's just a little too much to have that one person. Maybe you just want to bring it forward and I'll receive these later. If you want prayer team to know, you can write prayer team on it. But the Lord not only wants to bind our hearts together in this way, praying specifically for healing in a relationship, being single-hearted about that so the Lord can work. He wants that, but he also doesn't want you to do it alone. Isolation is a lie of the evil one, and the Lord is bringing us together as one body, okay? So this might be a step of faith for many to do this, but I want you to take the time now in humility, believing in the power of prayer, believing the power of our good Father, to name that relationship and resolve to share that. So the altar is open. I'll invite the prayer team. They are willing and ready to receive you, to pray with you, and to see what the Lord wants to do. So let's, let's go. Let's do that.